everyone. Welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible study author, adventure junkie, and founder of Voice of the Voiceless, empowering women in Africa. Join me here every week for inspiring conversations on discovering miracles in life's messy moments. Here's this week's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Lips Aglow, an independent distributor of Senegen's anti-aging and smudge-free skincare and cosmetics. Their flagship product is the well-known long-wearing lip color, LipSense. This line is for busy and active women who want to feel radiant without worrying about smearing or smudging their makeup. Lips Aglow has been introducing these fabulous lip colors and glosses to ladies everywhere and of all ages for over four years. Check out Lips Aglow on Facebook and Instagram to get connected and start shopping. New followers through this broadcast will receive a special welcome offer for placing an order in the month of March, and a portion of the proceeds will be sent to Make Life Matter podcast for support of this meaningful ministry. I love Lips Aglow and I use it all the time. Go to Lips Aglow on Instagram and click the link in the bio to start browsing. Well, welcome back to the Make Life Matter podcast. I am really excited today to not only have someone I deeply admire, but a friend of mine, Dr. James O. Davis, president of the Global Church Network and Cutting Edge International. He is considered to be the leading Christian networker of our time. I've seen him in action and I am going to validate that statement. The Global Church Network, formerly Billion Soul Network, has become the world's largest pastor's network, partnering with more than 2,400 ministries and over a half a million churches around the globe. A prolific author, international speaker, and expert on networking and leadership, Dr. Davis has listened has ministered face-to-face to millions of people in more than 125 nations. He also just released a brand new book, The Faith Book, The Master Key to a Grand Life of Faith. Well, welcome, Dr. Davis, as I know you as James, my friend. It's such an honor to have you here. Well, Angela, it is a joy and a privilege to, to be with you and all your listeners all over the world today. Well, you know, this podcast is reaching just about as many countries as you've been in. I would love to be on the ground with all those countries. And you have stories and stories and stories. So we could talk for hours today. But and we'll get to a couple of these kind of miracle stories that I know you've had and experienced in your life. But tell us a bit about the Global Church Network for people maybe that are hearing about it for the very first time. Well, I appreciate it. You know, life is filled with uh, with ideas. And and then there are those moments um, that if we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, he, he puts in us a thought, he puts in us an idea, and he, then he will ask us to act on it. Um, mm-hmm. What I've learned, Angela, is that we don't always have to know where we're going, but we need to know who we're following. And if we're following the right person, he'll get us to the right place. That's good. You know, there's 10,000 books a year written on leadership and 10 on followership. And, and the last I learned was Christ is still our leader and we're just followers. And, and Paul would say to Timothy, follow me as I follow. He wouldn't say, follow me as I lead. Mm. Paul was a great leader, but he really demonstrated his leadership through followership. And so February 2001, I was coming out of the Assemblies of God uh, world headquarters in, uh, in Springfield, Missouri. And, 
and I got in my car and, and the Holy Spirit quickened me and, and said, call Dr. Bill Bright and tell him what I've already put in your heart. And, and, and my heart was that one of the great felt needs of every pastor in the world, no, let me raise 90% of pastors in the world is help me to be a better preacher. Help me to preach better. I mean, if you got to get up every week and sometimes two and three times a week, you don't want to swing and miss. You don't have to get a grand slam, but you sure want to be able to hit the ball. And so one of the great felt needs uh, is teach me to preach better. And so when it began, when the network began, uh, it was with that in mind. We, w- we wanted to help um, men and women to preach better, to teach better, to communicate better. And so immediately I called Dr. Bill Bright's assistant. I picked up my uh, my my phone. It wasn't a smartphone yet. Uh, the Palm Pilot had not merged with the cell phone to become smart. So we had two devices back in those days. And the young listeners uh, in the podcast today, you don't have a clue what I just said. You've just known that phones are smart, but they've not always been smart. And and so I picked up the phone and I, I called Dr. Bright's assistant and I said, it's 8.7 out of a Richter scale of 10. I really need to talk to Dr. Bright. And he and I were casual friends. We weren't close friends at the time. And and uh, I said, please have him to call me back before five o'clock today. And he did. And we decided uh, to do another series of steps that we would um, move forward and we would launch a network. And we launched a network four months after 9-11. And, uh, and people told me and told Dr. Bright, no one's going to come to the conference at First Baptist in Orlando, Florida. Uh, even a number of uh, Dr. Bright's uh, colleagues in his organization were calling me and say, tell Dr. Bright to cancel. You know, we're not, this just never going to fly. And uh, we're not going to get anybody to show up. They're too afraid to get on planes. They're too afraid to, to go about and do this. And so I said to Dr. Bright, hey, should we cancel? He said, no, we would never know what God could do if we just went forward. Well, Angela, only a handful of people showed up, 5,100 over yeah. showed up at First Baptist and every state in America and every province in Canada and 20 plus countries started with us. And we went online the very first day the network was launched. Wow. And so in 2002, we began online training on that same day. And we had leaders say, that's never going to work. That online stuff's never going to fly. No one's ever going to be trained by the internet. And Dr. Bright and I stood on that First Baptist stage that day, and we said, the day would come that more people will be trained by the internet than all the universities and seminaries combined in the world. And people would say, that's blue sky talk. You don't know what you're talking about. That's never going to work. Well, uh, you know, we don't claim to be prophets and I'm not the son of a prophet. Uh, but if you're going to cast vision, you got to be able to project where the world is going. And so when the, when the pandemic came, uh, we didn't change anything, what we were already doing. We were already online, been online for years, and we just continued to accelerate what we were already uh, doing. So it began with an idea, Hmm. with an idea that God had put in my heart for a number of weeks uh, prior to that initial phone call. And then we, we launched a, a network to pull the body of Christ uh, together. And I can't believe that it's been now close to almost 20 years 
I never plan uh, to launch a network. That was never part of my game plan in my life. Um, I, I had a great big love for the body of Christ mm. and uh, outside of my own Assemblies of God tribe. But I, I, I never envisioned that this would be part of it. Uh, but I'm thankful that I've been able to go on the journey. It's not all been easy. I tell people the set wor- second word in network is work. And if you're not going to work, you're not going to have a net that works. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of people today say, I got a network. I got this. But the question I ask is, does your net work? If it doesn't work, you can have a cute name, but it's got to be filled with something great. And that's what the Global Church Network is about. It's about synergizing and mobilizing the entire body of Christ toward the fulfillment of the Great Commission. We're never going to achieve it by ourselves. It is the co-mission, not the mission. I hear a lot of people say, well, what's your mission? Well, I don't have a mission. I have a co-mission. I have a co-mission and I realize that I can't bench press the weight of the world by myself. We got to have a lot of spotters to help and make it a reality. And we're grateful for where the network is today, Angela. Mm, It's so powerful. Dale and I are a part of it, my husband and I, and we just came from a leadership event in Phoenix. We were with you in Orlando at Synergize, where I spoke in 2020, right before the pandemic. And it's just what one of the things we love about it is this cross-denominational kingdom-minded approach that you have to seeing the lost come to Jesus Christ. And your goal is finished 2030, which is to see every unreached people group experience the, the, the knowledge of the saving power of Jesus Christ. Tell us where you are in that arc. And I know Nepal has been a focus. What are some other areas that you feel like we have to see this happen before Jesus? Yeah, what we decided to do as a network uh, over the years, the name of the network has changed. In those early days, way back when, it was known as Global Pastors Network. Hmm. And then we moved to Billion Soul Network, and we stayed focused on that for 15 years. That was our 15-year commitment that we had made to leaders uh, all over the world. And then when we came to Wittenberg 2017 Congress, uh, we were privileged, and we were the only ministry privileged to actually be have our Congress and Castle Church at the graveside of Martin Luther on the actual 500 year celebration of Martin Luther nailing the 95 theses on Castle Church door. And as we were moving toward that Vinton 17 Congress, we were getting very focused about launching finish. We wanted to launch finish at uh, Wittenberg Congress in Castle Church. That was our that was our game plan. And so we we determined that we wanted to have a finish declaration. And so, and Castle Church, we committed to the declaration and leaders from all over the world were there. And it's an acronym. And Dr. Tim Hill is the author of the acronym of the Church of God out of Cleveland, Tennessee, and find, find, intercede, network, invest, send, harvest. So what are the six steps to the finish line? It is find, intercede, network, invest, send, harvest. And so we believe that as we apply all six steps, we will get there. So we need to find the unreached people groups, the remaining ones that are there. And just because we have knowledge of that on the internet doesn't mean we have current knowledge. Mm-hmm. The best way to know where if a group has been reached or not 
are the neighbors, the neighbors around them. You know, it's like if um, if a, a gentleman from Japan was going to come start a church in the area where I am in Florida, he'd be very wise to ask the neighbors first, uh, where is there a place where there isn't a thriving, uh, ongoing church and put a church there? Not down the street with one we already have five or six. That's not commission-minded. That it may be brand-minded, and th- but there is a difference between a brand and a commission. And uh, I had a friend of mine out in California say, well, I'd really like to do a lot more networking, but I'm concerned about my brand. Well, the brand is Jesus. There is no other brand except him. And if we're not in step with him, it doesn't really matter what we call our organization. We're out of step with the king of the universe. And so, fine, you got to find the unreached people groups. You got to know exactly what you know, not what you think you know, what you know. Intercede. We have to intercede. And so we need uh, men and women to pray and intercede. And we're asking leaders all over the world uh, to set some goals. Uh, to pray this decade toward the fulfillment of the Great Commission, then N stands for network. And then I invest time, energy, and money. And then send, send the best equipped uh, leaders. And we're asking God for a million young leaders all over the world that will uh, help take the gospel further than we've ever been, have gone before. I don't know of any organization that can say, we've got plenty of young leaders coming up. You can pass us by on that. We're doing good. Right. We, realize that Christianity is getting older, particularly in the West, and we have got to raise up young leaders and then H for harvest. And so that's where we're at. And and then people can go to finish2030.com and they can learn more about the entire focus. But we've come to understand that we collectively uh, can do a lot more together. And secondly, when we are focused, uh, we're going to be more apt to hit the target than any other time in our life. Mm. And that's where we are. And and we've come a long way. We've got a long way to go. Uh, but we're coming up on the celebration of the 2,000-year birthday of the church. And we need to get ready for the celebration. Absolutely. There's two things I've heard you say or that I've read that I'd love for you to speak to for just a second. And I don't want to misquote you, but I know one is it's no longer about the West going to the rest. It's the best going to the rest. Can you define that? I might be misquoting you, but I know, I think that's the right concept. Yeah, it's pretty close. It's, um, uh, you know, I have, I have two amazing, amazing Chinese daughters and, um, and one is 14 and one's 20. And so I often say made in China means something different to us than a lot of other people. And, and so I have two amazing daughters. And when we had a, our first child, uh, Olivia, she would have been about three years old. And we were still living in Springfield, Missouri at the time. And I took her out to a nearby park and I was holding her up and I was looking into her Asian eyes and the Holy Spirit quickened my heart and said, look at what I've raised up all over the world. And so I began to look for what I call the mountain range of Christianity all over the world. And so when you look at it that way, it's a circumference. And so this mountain range of Christianity is a beautiful circumference from all over the world. And I began to make trips. I began to fly to meet with key people, just one man or one woman at a time. I get on a plane and I, I'd fly to Fiji or I'd get on a plane and fly to Nairobi or I'd get on a plane and I'd fly all the way to someplace else in Asia or in India just to spend a day with one person because I saw that God had raised them up. 
And as I was going through all that, and I logged a lot of miles. And um, a couple of years ago, a group of leaders got together and celebrated the fact that I'd crossed my 10th million actual uh, air mile. And, you know, when we start talking in those numbers, it's really hard for us to get our mind around it. So it'd be like going to the moon and back 20 times, but I just didn't land on it. So when my children were young, I used to take them out at night and I'd look up at the moon and I'd say, dad goes past that every year. And my girls would go, oh, wow. You know, I was trying to give them a perspective. And so as I was making all those journeys and all those trips, I began to realize that there are men and women around the world that are so far ahead of where we are Mm -hmm. even in the West. We still think, I don't know how many, but some people in the West still think they're leading the church. Um, They think they're still parenting the church. Um, People are not checking in with the West uh, today and say, is it okay if I do this today? Or how's that today? There's a pastor friend in in, uh, Indonesia, Surabaya, Indonesia, great work there. They have 140,000 on the weekends and one of the biggest Muslim nations in the world, but their budget is over $90 million a year. They don't need my money. They don't need uh, necessarily a book that I put out, but what they do need, what we all need is relationship currency. We need relationship capital. And so as I began to learn more and more about it, I said, it's no longer the West going to the rest, but the best around the world going to the rest of the world. And because that Mm -hmm. is where the church is. It is a huge paradigm shift of moving from one direction to another. It is the mission field has become a mission force. The the global church Mm -hmm. is not looking for parents, but partners. And if you've only built your missionary uh, organization with the old paradigm, you're going to have a really hard time getting to the finish line because we don't have to ask today uh, when we go to leave, is anybody there? We need to ask who is already there. And when we go, we don't go to compete. We go to complete. We don't go to outrun somebody. We come to partner together to go to the finish line. And that has been a great missional mindset shift. And those who are making that shift, there's a freedom and there's a speed that comes with it uh, because the shortest distance between two points is not a straight line, but a close mm-hmm. relationship. And, and when mm-hmm. we build those relationships, um, there is no distance at all. And, and that's where we are, Angela. And I believe more and more people are headed that direction as well. I completely agree. We're seeing that. I'm seeing that in other you know, spheres of kingdom influence that I'm a part of just this global concept that together we have to do this. Like you said, I can't bench press the weight of the world, but together we could lift the weight and to partner with people, indigenous pastors and missionaries, the way you're doing with training schools, with, with investing, with, you know, and I'm, I'm still trying to get my mind around 10 times 20. the moon and back. 20. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah. 20 times, 20 times the moon and back. Oh my goodness gracious. There's another thing that I want you to share quickly that I've read um, that you were challenged once by the Lord in a conversation with the Holy Spirit about how many 
seats yeah. you're going to fill at the marriage supper of the lamb. I'd love you to share that. It was deeply well, impacting. It's, for um, me. It was in the Middle East and it was early one morning. We were having a networking summit, summit in the underground church. And, and we were fortunate to have leaders from all 22 nations of the Middle East there. And, um, and I was sitting on the edge of the bed, uh, getting ready to start my day. I'm just pondering and thinking about what was going on downstairs where I'd be for the next number of hours. And just out of the blue, um, Holy Spirit asked me a question. And this has been kind of a pattern for my life. And for our listeners, I don't live a spooky life. Uh, I don't think there's a demonic spirit underneath every green palm tree in Florida. Right. I, I, don't, I don't live a spooky life. Uh, I don't give the devil any extra credit. Um, he's not everywhere. And, uh, but I do believe that the Holy Spirit can quicken our hearts and, and drop something inside of us. And so I'm sitting on the edge of the bed and, and uh, the Lord asked me a question internally. And he said, uh, how many seats will you take responsibility for? for the marriage supper of the lamb. And I've never had anybody ask me that question. I never really even thought about it. I know that we're going to have a marriage supper of the lamb and, and uh, the bride and the bridegroom are going to get together. And uh, so I vocalized out loud uh, my response. And I, I said, Lord, I, I don't know how to answer that question. I said, but I will do my very best to keep the angels busy pushing as many chairs to the table as possible so that everyone that should be there is there. And I, and I went downstairs later and I shared that story and uh, during that Middle East summit. And that is an invitation for all of our listeners today that um, I invite you to ponder uh, how many chairs will you take responsibility for at the marriage supper of the Lamb? Surely you're not going to sit by yourself. Mm-hmm. Surely you're not going to bring some friends with you. Surely you're not going to reach out to loved ones that, and that have told you no a hundred times, surely you're not going, not going to ignore them. You're going to invite them to get ready to sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Mm-hmm. To me, it's the greatest invitation. And, and the Lord quickened my heart and helped me to qualify what the end looks like. Um, you know, people talk about the, you know, the end is coming soon. Well, I, I don't think so. I still believe in the millennial reign of Christ. So that's a thousand years of the sun going up and down. But I do know there's coming a time when the end will come, the bride and the bridegroom will be together and we will have eternity with the Lord and with his people. And that will be the end here, but the beginning forever. And so that's where my focus is, Angela. I love it. It's And you're, you're eternity minded, you're kingdom minded, you're paradigm vision minded. It's so inspiring for us. And you're just on a personal level. Maybe we can't travel to the moon and back on, you know, all these countries, but we can pray and we can, like you said, we can commit to prayer. We talked about that in Phoenix intentionally praying, you know, I think it was a hundred hours over a certain amount of time. What's your prayer challenge? Uh, Her challenge is uh, asking the church worldwide to pray a billion hours in 10 years for fulfillment of the great commission. And so if a person only prayed five minutes a day for the fulfillment of the great commission, um, that's a lot of hours between now and 2030. If a church running, you know, a thousand, averaging a thousand said, hey, we're going to ask all of our men and women to pray five minutes a day. That's 5,000 minutes a, a day. That's mm-hmm. almost nine hours uh, a day that uh, people would be praying. And, uh, and you compound that out. Uh, that's a lot of hours. And so they can find more about that at, on the Global Church Network app. Um, okay. Whether it be an um, iPhone or Android, you can 
check out and get the get the app and and you'll see so much of what's happening uh, in the network worldwide. So remind me the other website they can go to is finish2030.com and they, then they can also go to gcnw.tv gcnw.tv and that's our that's our main site. Okay, that'd be great. They can find out everything there and my husband and I are partnering with all of these these right. aspects. So tell us about the book. I know you said in Phoenix, it's almost a culmination of your life work, although you've written several things. This is the faith book, the master key to a grand life of faith, which you're evidently living. So share. I don't know. That. I don't know about um, we're striving, Angela. We're striving. I, I'm with you. I feel that yeah, we're striving to get there. You know, uh, the, the people who've lived a grand life of faith I wrote about, um, you know, for many years, uh, all of us, no doubt our listeners, we love Hebrews chapter 11. You know, it's just the hall of fame of faith. And, but Hebrews 11 doesn't stop uh, until Hebrews 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. Because uh, the Hebrew writer says, therefore, since we have this great cloud of witnesses. Well, who's the great cloud of witnesses? Well, it's the ones he's highlighted in Hebrews uh, chapter 11. And, and so about 20 or so years ago, I started really thinking about uh, the men and women in Hebrews 11 and just trying to you know, get my mind around it. And, um, and so finally, when the pandemic began last spring, I said, you know what, uh, I'm going to write a chapter a week uh, in the pandemic and on Hebrews 11 and, and then all the way into Hebrews 12 verses one, two, and three. So it takes us all the way from Abel, all the way to Christ and all the characters that are highlighted, Abel being the first one, uh, all the way to Jesus being the last one, because Jesus says, I'm the author and finisher. I'm the beginning and the end uh, of your faith. And so I, I wrote on all the chapters and, um, and it's 23 chapters long, highlighting what is the definition of faith? And the last one, what is the depiction of faith? And that's Christ. So it starts with the definition and it ends with the ultimate depiction. And all of the characters that we read about in the Old Testament that are focused on in Hebrews 11 are brought together into one book. And we decided to call it the faith book because mm-hmm. faith is the master key. It is the master key to all the doors in God's house. It is the master key to unlocking all that God has for us, regardless of our problem or regardless of our provision, faith plays a role. I'm not saying when you have faith, your problems go away, but faith gives you the ability to deal with those problems. If you have a shortage, faith is the key for the provision. And so faith is the master key. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11, 6, that it's impossible to please God without faith. Now, there's not many verses in the Bible where you find impossible and God in the same verse. Hmm. We always read that nothing is impossible for the Lord. And that's true. But in Hebrews 11, verse six, Hmm. it says it's impossible to please the Lord without faith. Now, if that's true, and it is, then I want my faith to grow. Hmm. I want my faith to mature. Because if I don't please the Lord, Angela, it doesn't really matter who I displease. Hmm. But if I displease the Lord, it really doesn't matter who I please. And so I have got to be able to grow my faith. And I don't have to have big faith. I just need to have my faith in the right place. Mm. The size of my faith 
is determined by the object of my faith. If my faith is in me, I get what me can do. If my faith is in you, I get what you can do. If my faith is in my family, I get what my family can do. If my faith is in my nation, I get what my nation can do. But if my faith is in God, I can get what he can do. And so instead of growing and going and drying and dying, we need to grow our faith and become like that little mustard seed. It may look small on the outside, but that mustard seed faith can move a big mountain. Mm -hmm. And so we've decided that we wanted to write a book, call it the faith book and the master key to a grand life and faith. And I encourage all of our listeners uh, to get you a copy. You can find it over at jamesodavis.com. And, uh, and, and it's very easy to locate it there. You can also find it in Global Church Resources, which is off of Global Church Network, uh, TV or GCN.TV. And I encourage you to get it. And it's, uh, it's going to be, I think, a, a, a great book for you to read and very able to personalize it and help your faith to grow. Amen. I can't wait to read it myself. And I'm curious to know, I know we're just about to, to end our time together, but I'm curious to know if the answer to this question is one of these characters, but I love to ask my guests, when you get to heaven, other than Jesus, who we all can't wait to meet, what Bible character are you most excited to meet? And what is it that you're kind of itching to ask them? What's the burning question that you can't wait? And is it out of curiosity, is it one of the people that you just covered in this book? Well, it, it's not one of them. And okay. Adam, Adam is not in the list of faith. That's and true. But Adam and Eve are in heaven. Hmm. And yeah. um, God redeemed them. And, and he, he forgave them. Now, they, they had to pay a hard price. Yes. Um, but I want to meet Adam. And, mm-hmm. um, and I want to ask him a, a big question. You know, if you had to do it all over again, what would you do differently? Mm. And what would be your response to God when God came looking for you on that day and Mm. said, where are you, Adam? It wasn't that God didn't know where he was. He knew where he was. But Adam's response wasn't a good one. And I would like to hear what Adam would have to say uh, if he had to do it all over again. Mm. And uh, because... I believe Adam and Eve both are in glory yeah. and, uh, and I'm grateful they are because that means I get to go. That's right. And, uh, and, and, but I would love to meet Adam. You know, um, the, it's interesting that when Enoch walked with God, Adam was still alive hmm. and, and everybody in that day and time of Enoch either knew Adam or knew someone who knew Adam. And they all knew that that was the guy who first walked with God. Wow. So I would want to ask him, what would you like to do over? And what was it like Hmm. every morning and evening to get up and walk with God, the King of the universe? And because I believe I can learn a lot just by asking Adam those two big questions. That's what I'd like to ask. You know, no one has answered that before. What an interesting question. And that's that story is such encouragement to us that God is a redeemer and he redeems Amen. all things. He loves all people. And, and we're in the all people business to see Amen. every person. You know, yeah. I worked with Reinhard Bonnke he was in Liberia before oh, yeah. um, he passed away with Evangelist Bonnke. And, and I love what he used to say that we want to plunder hell to populate heaven. In fact, right. I was wearing a sweatshirt last weekend when my son was home and it says make heaven crowded. And he right. said, that's not true. You can't make heaven crowded. And I, but he was kind of joking. And I said, I know it won't be crowded, but you know what it means. 
we don't want a single person in hell and neither does God. No, God, no. God wants every single person. Andrew, Adam, I believe there'll be more people in heaven than there will be in hell. Amen. I don't believe the devil will have anything to brag about. Amen. There are going to be a lot of people in heaven and I'm looking forward to that day. I can't wait. I can't wait. Well, it is such an honor to talk with you today. And yeah. I will put all of these links in the show notes. They want to get the faith book. They want to find out more about global church network ways they can partner uh, finish 2030. So I'll put all those links in here as well. And I just want to thank you. Thank you for your vision. And, and you, you put yourself on the front lines for the kingdom of God. And we're so grateful to, to partner with you and to see what God is doing. And I would just love for you to pray over our listeners, Amen. especially anyone who maybe has never made this decision to accept Jesus Christ as your savior. Now is, could be their moment. God is in the redeeming and redemptive pro, and the redemptive business. Lord, we thank you that we do know that you hear us when we pray a childlike prayer of faith. And Lord, if there be one that has not surrendered his or her life to your Lordship, may he or she do that today. And Lord, I pray that you would help all of our faith to grow. Lord, we don't compare ourselves to Reinhard Bonnke or to someone else. Lord, we just ask you to help our faith to grow and help us to become more like you Help us to step out when we hear your voice, go with you on the venture of our lifetime to apply the values that really matter and then believe that you will give us the vision and the victory. We thank you, Lord, for this. We ask it in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for joining our conversation. Season two is sponsored in part by Worley Dahlberg Yao PLLC. You can learn more about this award-winning law firm at lawfirmvirginia.com. I'd love to stay connected, so be sure to visit angeladonadio.com for books, free goodies, and opportunities to feature your ministry or business as a sponsor. Find me on Facebook at Angela Donadio VOV and Instagram at Angela Donadio, where we do podcast giveaways each month. If you've been inspired to make life matter, Share a review and subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Until next week, let's make life matter.